Okay, you guys, I have um, the great honor to talk to you about something that is a sticky topic. Defending our faith. We're supposed to. We're supposed to, to stand up for Jesus. We're supposed to acknowledge that he says and we do. We, we even started the whole year out with he said. And there's a lot of people that don't live off of what he said, including, if you're just being honest, yourselves at times. But we have a tendency, right, to really focus on other people's shortcomings. And we tend to do that because it kind of diverts the attention from us. And so rather than elaborate too much more, I just want to let you know that Jesus did say everyone who is angry with their brother or sister commits murder against them. Is anger a no-go for Jesus? Did he, wait, but he was mad, and we talked about that, and he had a perfect anger, and we don't. And we get to forgive one another. You're okay. You take care of yourself. Any point. I have water if you want. Okay. But we talked also that since his anger is perfect and ours isn't, we need to submit to him and to his way. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to understand what makes us mad and why we go places with it, why we hang on to it. Because be, be angry and sin not, a lot of us are like, cool, I got that be angry part down. Nah. Well, and sin not, right? Don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. All these things don't feed a grudge. So we've talked about some roots of the anger, and I'll ask you really quick, what are some of the roots of anger that we've talked about? Pride. Fear. Hurt. Selfishness. What's that? Loss. Absolutely. Gosh, there's just so much that we feel. I want to ask you this question, and you probably saw it on, um, if you're an app user. If you're not, I encourage you to get after that. Are we defending or offending the faith? In 1 Peter 3.15, we're called like, if somebody asks you about the hope that you have within, give them an answer. Apologia, defend it. Do you remember the rest? Say that again. For the hope that's in you, but we give our answer for the hope that's within us with gentleness and respect. <laughs> oh, that part's not as important as giving the answer. You guys, we're going to get after it. Let's go to John 8, 12. Jesus said in one of his I am statements, something super profound that he repeats just a chapter later, which is going to be the kind of the crux of what we're talking about. In John 8, 12, Jesus said, again, he spoke to them saying, I am Yahweh, right? The light of the world. The light of the world describes how he is as God. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light can be offensive. Anybody? Who likes to sleep? 
Who wishes they could sleep more? Who's out right now? <laughs> I appreciate that, Buck. I see you, though. Your eyes are open. That's a trick. <laughs> you guys, light can be offensive to those in the dark, those trying to hide, those trying to sleep. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And those who follow me won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That light is so much. So really, I want to get to a story we've talked quite a bit about. I will keep talking about things. I'll keep repeating Jesus, all that, because I love it. I think his is the best to repeat. I don't, it's not like I don't have great stuff. Go to John 5, and there's a sweet message on all of this, defending the faith and how it leads to anger and all that. I'm just not going there. I'm going to recognize that a little bit today, not just right in the beginning. But we're going to John 9, and I'm going to read most of it as story because it's a record. It's an account. Jesus healed people. We love that, and we wish he would do that more, or at least we think he should do it better, or whatever. And he still does, and he's really awesome. The greatest healing is that your soul can be restored and saved. The rest of that stuff is temporary, but it's cool. But check this out in John 9, 1 through 7, just one chapter over, back to the whole light of the world and the whole defending the faith. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. How did he know looking at him? He didn't. The guy writing this was there, and he's like, we found out that he was blind from birth. So how long was he blind? Yeah, I know that. Look, you're like, man, the tricky questions are out today. <laughs> his whole life. So his disciples asked him, Rabbi, master, teacher, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? This is a crazy question, by the way, because most Jews did not believe in original sin. They believed in sin, but you kind of got it as you went about life. But they're like, who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind? How can a baby sin in the womb? Because they woke mom up. <laughs> so they asked. Jesus answered, it was not this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, then anointed the man's eyes with mud. Hmm. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent, which is so rad. He sends him to the pool that sent. Jesus was sent from heaven to earth. Gosh, I could geek out the rest of the time on that. But that's just bonus material right there. So he spits on the ground, makes mud. We think, what are you doing? He spit in a guy's ears once, saliva. I mean, this is like, did Jesus have like a drool issue? What was going on? That was a normal type thing. The saliva was a big deal. But he made mud, put it on the guy's eyes, told him to go wash. After he said, look, I'm only here for a little bit. And it's going to be dark eventually, but I'm the light of the world, and it's going to be okay, but let's get after this. You don't understand what's happening. Let me explain it to you. And he does. And the man went and washed and came back seeing. Very quick, I know I pointed this out to you before, but sometimes in life, 
We get so mad about the irritants that we do nothing about them but complain. Jesus puts this mud, anoints the guy's eyes with mud. Jesus, he was born blind. Why would you do that? All kinds of reasons we don't know about. One, I can say for sure. He was anointing him and telling him, go wash and you're going to be fine. The irritant alone would have probably made him go, yeah, I'm going to get this out. He was blind, not numb. Sometimes the irritant is there to get you to do what Jesus says. Okay. Here we go. Verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar, because that's all he could do, and he couldn't go into the temple, by the way, because he was unclean. He was broken. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he's like him. And he kept saying, I'm the man. Some of you dudes are saying that all the time to these ladies. I'm the man. <laughs> but that's not what this was about. I am the man. Ego a me. This is the only other time in John where an I am statement is about somebody other than Jesus. But he wasn't saying Yahweh in this case. He's saying, it's me. Here I am. It is me. So they said to him, well, then how are your eyes open? We know that you used to be blind, and now you can see. How'd that happen? He answered, well, the man called Jesus, made mud, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. They said to him, where is Jesus? He goes, I don't know. I was blind just a few minutes ago. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm working on this whole vision thing, right? But he's like, I don't know. He sent me, and then he was gone. So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been formerly blind. Friends, this was a chance for the Pharisees to be a part of the miracle. An opportunity for them to celebrate. An opportunity for them to worship. An opportunity to make sure it was him. And then once they did, woo God's doing great stuff. Or, it was the Sabbath day, verse 14, when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him, this is the second time the man gets asked, first time by the Pharisees, how he'd received his sight. And he said to him, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. They already know who the he is. It's Jesus. Some of the Pharisees said, this man's not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They were not on the same page together. Some said, he's not from God. Others are like, oh man, come on now. Only God could do something like this. I just want to bring this statement to you, though. This is what some of the leaders said about a man born blind, being healed, but it happened to be on the Sabbath. This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Really quick, keep your finger there. Let's go back to when the Sabbath was instituted. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. You might remember it's part of the 
Nice. I heard you, Phoenix. Ten Commandments. Good job, buddy. Verses 8 through 12. Is that right? Do I have the right one? Yes, I do. 8 through 11. Sorry. Huh? Yep. Keep my statutes and do them. Or I'm, I guess, I think I have it wrong. I'm in Leviticus. You know what happens sometimes? That. Okay, here we go. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, set apart, separate, different. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner, the foreigner who's within your gates. <laughs> For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them. And then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I'm here to tell you, that's pretty straightforward and pretty vague. So the Pharisees saw their country falling apart for years and years, hundreds of years. And they started setting up a bunch of rules to keep people from working. If you guys are reading along in the reading program, there is the Bible recap. And this lady, uh, Tara Lee Cobble, 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 she says, hey, they built a wall around the commandments. They built a fence. This happened from the very first commandment, by the way. God said, don't eat from that tree because you'll die. And they said, yeah, we're not supposed to even touch it. That was their rule. And it seemed like a good idea. They brought up these things. They're like, man, our people won't follow the rules. So we got to make sure it's super strict, including, by the way, making mud. Because that was work. Let me just read a little something for you really, really super fast. The Pharisees' Sabbath restrictions forbade the following activities, writing, erasing, tearing, conducting business transactions, shopping, cooking, baking. You guys are like, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Kindling a fire, gardening, doing laundry. Again, happy Mother's Day. Carrying anything for more than six feet in a public area. Moving anything with your hand, even indirectly, like with a broom. You can't. Pick up a broken bowl, flowers in a vase, candles on a table, raw food, a rock, a button that's fallen off. You can move things with your elbow or your breath, but not with your hand. And this is just a partial list. And some of them wanted to do that to honor God. Maybe all of them started that way. But they're like, this guy's not from God because he worked on the Sabbath. What was his work? Do you remember? Remind me what he was doing on the Sabbath. He made mud, put it on the guy's eyes, and what else did he do? He healed a dude. 
not just a dude. Check it out. There are seven recorded healings by Jesus on the Sabbath. That is more than a coincidence. That's intentional. He's coming after their interpretation, their hypocrisy. They're missing the point multiple times. In John 5, he, they want to kill him for this. They want to kill him for healing. A man who was an invalid for 38 years. If you keep your fingers there in John, I'm going to move back really quick to Mark 2, 27 through 28, where Jesus talks a little bit about the Sabbath. And I want to elaborate. Just listen to what he says. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. So the Son of Man, the Messiah himself, is the Lord even of the Sabbath. Go just a few verses down in chapter 3. Again, he heals a man with a withered hand. And they're mad at him about it. And we've already talked this about anger. And so look at what happens. Jesus said to him, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. I wish they would have kept that way. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately and held counsel with the Herodians, their enemies, against Jesus. They wanted to destroy him. What are a few things that we just learned about in these little verses? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. Why did God give man Sabbath? Slow him down. Slow her down. Bring her focus back. Look, you can't work seven days. We need you to slow down, and you can focus on me, and on that seventh day, watch me provide for you. You know what the Egyptians did to the Israelites? 24-7. They were working all the time. And think about that mud thing just for a second. That's how the bricks were made. The disciples maybe weren't thinking about this. I don't know if the Pharisees were, but as I've been chewing on this all week, I'm like, gosh, maybe just maybe they're like, let's just give a good shout out on that whole mud thing because remember how bad it sucked for us way back? And we had to make mud and make bricks and work hard. Let's just make sure nobody does any work. And Jesus is like, except to do what's good. Honor God in that, because literally the root of the word good is God. So Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, so what he says goes, and oh, by the way, do good on the Sabbath. Many people have turned this in to a religious, significant stronghold. No rest. They're freaking out. Back to the story in John 9, 9, 17. So there was a division among them. You might remember that. Some said what? What did some of the Pharisees, some of the leaders think about Jesus? He's not from God. What did some of the others? He's got to be. Who could do this without God? Okay, verse 17. 
So they again said to the blind man, these are the Pharisees, second time, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? What's your opinion? And he said, he's a prophet. He went from, I don't know, to a prophet. Be encouraged, friends. You and I are going to grow in our understanding of Jesus. We're going to go from not knowing so much, mustard seed, to growing. Be patient with each other. Be patient with yourself. He's growing. He's a prophet. Now, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. We don't think this is real. Let's check with his mom and dad. And so they asked him, hey, is this your son who you say was born blind, allegedly? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son. Hi. And that he was born blind. But now, how he sees, we don't know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Hmm. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. Do you hear the beep, beep, beep? They threw their son under the bus and are backing it up. <laughs> I'll be here all day. Just so. <laughs> Oh, Shannon, your laugh is so contagious. I love it. All right. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. Fear of man proves to be a, a snare, a trap. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Wait, wait a minute. Who said anything about Christ? Who said anything about the Messiah? They all knew that only the Messiah could do this kind of healing. And some were like, yeah, it's him. And others were like, I think it's him, but if we say it, we're going to get excommunicated. And including the parents. They couldn't even enjoy the healing of their son entirely. They were so afraid of getting excommunicated, of being judged. They're like, ask him. Therefore, his parents said, oh, he's of age. Ask him. Verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. This is swear to God, on God. Testify, give God the glory. Tell us the truth. <laughs> and then they say this. It's called leading the witness. We know that this man's a sinner. We're super smart. We know he's a sinner. But you give glory to God. You tell the truth. This is the truth we want to hear. He's a sinner. But go ahead. When you think you're right, very rare that you'll listen to anybody that says anything else. People defend the faith with their pet doctrines or with really, really strong theological views. And they're really, really good and they're really, really biblical and they won't listen to anybody else. Listen, don't let anybody talk you out of Jesus being the only way, truth, and life. Don't let that happen. Don't let anybody say the best way for you to be saved is to go to this church or that church or get baptized or, or memorize scripture or whatever. Don't let them add anything to salvation. Don't let them give you a savior apart from Jesus. Don't let them lie about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all being God. There's some really strong stuff, but you can do this in a way that is kind, compassionate, gentle, and respectful. But many people are like, nope, 
There's drums in the church. Amen. <laughs> Said the drummer. Had a baby. I mean, seriously, there's things, there's so much. How we do communion, how we don't, how people get baptized. All right, never mind. I got to get back to this. There's a lot of things that people really hang on to. They say, give glory to God. We know this man's a sinner. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. Woo, testify. You know what you can't argue? A changed life. You can't argue that. Tell people what Jesus has done for you. Do you know where I was supposed to be? Jail. Dead. I will have 11 children, but there'll be a whole lot more mamas than one. God has changed this man. I don't know about everything else, but I can tell you where I used to be and where I am now. Tell the truth. And he did. I was blind and now I see. What you going to do with that? Well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I told you already. And you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Ooh. <laughs> Burn. And they reviled him. That isn't, that's such a big word. They dogged him. They treated him poorly, saying, you're his disciple, but we're disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as far as this man, we don't know where he even comes from. Gosh, I wish I had forever to unpack this for you. Go to John 5 with me really, really super fast. 46 through 47. This is that chapter that I said, look, I can only touch it a little bit. Go read it. Enjoy it. Lots to learn from it. Jesus is arguing with them. They're arguing with him. He says, listen, verse 46, if you believed Moses, remember they said, we're Moses' disciples. If you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me, Jesus says. But if you don't believe his writings, how will you believe my words? No, we do believe. Nope. Yet another opportunity for them to repent. Another opportunity for them to wake up. Another opportunity for them to not double down or triple down, but to humble themselves and say, oh gosh, we're blowing it. Will you forgive us? And Jesus wouldn't be like, I don't know, you guys have been punks. No, we'd be like, yes, because some of them actually came to him. Do you know that after Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit came, that a number of priests came to Jesus and faith in him? Woo, this is so good. Let's go back one more time to Mark, but this time Mark 7, 6 through 8. Again, kind of the whole Moses thing here. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. Yikes. As it is written, the people honor, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And here's a little something for you. 
we'll have a discussion about it. We need to talk about it. I'm not going to do it right now, but I'm going to ask you to consider what came to your mind just now on that. Stuff that you're like, this is one we cannot mess with. Baptism, pedo-baptism, Reformed theology, Arminianism, all the stuff that we have in our minds, and there's some important stuff, and I will hear about it from somebody, and if you're listening and you're watching because you're checking to make sure that I'm teaching right, thank you. Let's have a discussion. Don't email me. Call me. Please, let's talk about it. But which ones are we hanging on to? The commandments of God or the commandments of men? And Jesus calls them out. Rest of the story. Let's go back. John 9, 30. The man answered, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where it comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. God let him heal me because he's with God. He didn't even know. He's still growing in his understanding of Jesus. He doesn't know he is God. He just knows that he's got to be from God because he healed me. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He's teaching the teachers and they don't like it. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. Again, against their own theology. And would you teach us and uh, cast him out? Instead of humility and repentance, they tripled down. What about me and you? Anything that people try to teach us that isn't the word of God, be strong. Come up against it with gentleness and respect, but with sincerity and truth. Anything that's in the word, but it's a different opinion than you have, doesn't change who Jesus is, salvation is, the word of God is, the Trinity is. Be gracious. Be gracious. Verses 35 through 41. Jesus heard that they cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Messiah? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? At this point, if Jesus wasn't the Savior, he would have told him. One more time to know that Jesus is God, okay? You've seen him, which I love just so much. He didn't, wasn't even seen hours before. Now he's seen. You've seen the Messiah. It's he who is speaking to you right now. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him, because we should. Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. We just took communion. You admitted you needed a Savior and that he died for you. Some of these people don't admit it. But we see so clearly, we're super smart, and they were. 
They could take a passage and give you the rest of the book of the Bible or the letter. So how do we move towards Jesus? Some of you sit here right now, super, super smart. Bill, do you mind handing me my water, please? I'm sorry, thank you. I don't want anybody to miss this big forehead that's sweating. So. <laughs> Some of you sit here and you're smarter than God because you don't need a savior. He said you do, but you're like, no, I'm good. I mean, in general, people are good. I mean, we do bad things, but we don't really need a savior. But some of you had that thought coming in today, but today you're like, oh, wait a minute, I actually need to humble myself. I need to confess that Jesus is the Lord and not me. I need to repent of sinning and doing my own thing. I need to come to him. I need to give him my anger. I need to give him my hypocrisy. I need to be saved. Good, confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved, and then you get to walk it out. The first step towards moving towards Jesus is recognizing He's God, he's Lord, he's Savior. Today's your day. Many of you have already done that. But you need to repent of pride in defending your faith. You've gone to school, you've memorized stuff, you understand the Greek, you understand things, and you are so prideful, you alienate people rather than invite them. You're so busy proving to others that they're wrong and shaming them, you don't invite them to say, is there another way we can look at this? The move towards Jesus is to be right in a humble way. And finally, the moving towards Jesus is to admit, I don't know if I have a problem in this, but I have some friends that have died on every hill they possibly can when it comes to arguing about the faith. They're not just defending the faith, they argue about it. And I need to go to them and ask them if they can maybe change their tactics. This is a move towards Jesus. You would actually go to somebody humbly, not, you're so mean, and just say, is there a way to be more gentle with this? Can we work on that together? There's probably a ton of other steps, and since I'm not the Holy Spirit, I'll let him speak to you. Moms, go get some muffins. I don't eat carbs. Then go sniff them. <laughs> we also, John, do we have the, where you at, John? Chocolate? Thanks, bro. Mamas, there's also chocolate for you. Oh, I'll eat that. Okay, good. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. There's so many things I didn't even touch on and could have, and I have so many wonderful people here that are going to remind me of what I could have done differently and better, and I'm grateful for it. I need to be stretched. I also know, Lord, that you're speaking to people despite me or even through me. May we be the kind of people that actually humble ourselves when we're defending the faith. May we be strong. May we be courageous. May we be contagious. But may we also be gentle and kind and even willing to learn. God, I thank you that nothing can take us from your love. So may we actually live from there, not for something else, but live from the fact that we're already loved, we're already saved, we're already yours, and we want to invite people to see the Savior to know the Savior, and to be like this man 
who's grown already in the short story. He grew from not knowing who you were, Jesus, to worshiping you. God, help us to be patient and consistent. I pray in your perfect name. Amen. God bless you guys. I'll see you next week. And who knows? Maybe the whole entire parking lot will be done. All right. See ya.